what I want here real quick, Keith, is I want... What do you want, sir? What you want? What you really, really want? I want... Tell me what you want. Whoa. Don't, don't, don't. (laughs) See, like, if you're going to have a road back-to-back, like, Sacramento Golden State should be a back-to-back. Like, they're an hour and a half apart by driving. (laughs) (laughs) That would make sense. That would make sense. The best five-man lineup that has played 25 minutes together or more for the Blazers is McCollum, Snell, Nance, Simons, and Little. There's only five different Blazers lineups that have played more than 25 minutes together. Nice. So there you go. The starters have played 192 minutes together, and the next largest group is the one I just mentioned, McCollum, Snell, Nance, Simons, and Little at 41. Uh, Cody Zeller's there in that one. Huh, interesting. Let me get rid of this. Who's missing? Uh, Robert Covington and Damian Lillard wasn't in that one. Oh, well, Dave was in one of them, but neither neither Rocco or Nurk were in either one. Yeah. Prior to being injured in 2019, when Nurk Femer Nurk Femer, that was <laughs> should have made a le- how did that uh, came out as a leg joke? Like that was weird. Uh, Before we get started, I actually got to put the cone on the dog because he's gonna be licking his paws and he cannot be doing that right now. Um, <laughs> should be quick and painless, but you know that's for me. You're dealing with me, so probably not painless. Or quick. <laughs> Let me wake the pug. Thanks, buddy. Can't snore the whole time. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, sure. No worries. I almost made a big uh-oh. <laughs> what was your big uh-oh? Forgot to open my recording software. Oh, that that, that could help. <laughs> but I'm, re- <laughs> I'm recording now, so we're good. <laughs> Hello, Rip City, to all of you in town and out of town and in every corner of the interwebs. Thank you for tuning in here with you from Hood River. My name is Keith Feltner Smith, and with me, as always, the master of segues, Christopher Joseph Burkhardt. What's up, my friend? What's up? What's up? I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, happy after a beautiful Blazers win last night. Feeling yeah. Nice on the night. I feel like last nice night. Nice little rebound. It does feel like a long time ago, that is for sure. I, I've, uh, you know, tried to, tried to be productive already today, so I feel like I've gotten a lot of other things done between here and there. I tried to make some bread last night and uh, forgot to finish it because I was too excited to celebrate Blazer games and maybe had a little too much wine. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so I had to start over the bread this morning. But uh, yeah, we're doing good, man. I'm feeling good about it. Uh, Very good. You, you, how about you? You need some more bread? You, you have a new bread knife that you're ready to cut into another salad? A new bread knife? It's ready and waiting. Bring me the soft stuff this time. We'll yeah, I, I've, I've, I've made it better. <laughs> I've gotten better at it. I think we're, I think we're doing well. See, I even, you know I've gotten better at it because I threw dough away last night being like, nope, not good enough. I can, I can start over with <laughs> Speaking of starting over, let's start off the day here with a new segment on Trailcasters. Love, hugs, and hate mail. We've brought this up before, usually at the end, as far as who should uh, get the loves and the hate and the rest, but Chris, we're making this a real thing. Give me one thing from the last week of Blazers basketball that you love, one thing or maybe person or player or such that needs a hug, and uh, one person or player or idea that you're just sending all your hate mail to uh, this week, since it can't always be Chris over at Hoopspace. So we gotta give him some breaks. Well, I think, I think 
I think uh, the hugs are pretty simple. The rest are debatable, but the hug is simple. Or excuse yeah, me, not, not the hug. The not love. the hug. Not the hug. That's dumb. The hug is everyone <laughs> needs a hug. The love <laughs> is simple. The love is simple because regardless of the outcome uh, over the last few games, uh, social media, which is obviously fact, social media is real life and people portray their real feelings on their hello. Uh, all the love <laughs> is going towards Nasir Little. He is yes, a player. Oh, Lights out God. off the bench and a key component to the Blazers uh, when they look good. <laughs> He's been a key component. Uh, of trying to make the team look good when the rest of the team is looking bad. So uh, the <laughs> fact, I mean, you had last night against uh, the the Raptors. I mean, he played 25 minutes, had a good impact on the game, and was doing a lot of little things. He's he's that spark plug player that Rip City fans love. So I'm gonna send my love that way too. The love is going to Nasir Little. Nas deserves all the love, man. He's been awesome. Uh, I think some, especially after last night's game in Toronto or against Toronto here in Portland, that we will get to in a minute. Some of it's got to go to CJ, dude. The block that he had last night. I know at one point this season he was leading the team in blocks and steals. We've talked before about him particularly needing to pick up the defense. Uh, so you, you see that at the end of the game. The, the, the block, especially uh, against Scotty Barnes at the end of the game, that was just amazing. That was fantastic. Uh, what about your hugs, though? Who, are you, who needs a little bit of extra support? Where are you at for, for that one? All right, Keith. Well, my daughter, Peyton, she... Uh, she has a little Aww. thing. She has a little thing over here. She calls them magical hugs. And anytime, anytime dad isn't feeling well, like if I have a headache or I say my tummy hurts, she, she'll be like, and then, uh, you can tell I'm a dad too. So then I just said my tummy hurts. Um, <laughs> I tell her my tummy hurts. She'll be like, dad, I'll, I'll make it feel better. I'll give you a magical hug. And she'll run over and she'll magical give me a, a hug. And then I'll be like, oh, Peyton, thank you. I feel so much better. So channeling the magical hug to make people feel better. I'm sending my magical hug to Damian Lillard to hopefully oh. heal whatever ab ailment is continuing to hamper him and pain him. We are sending the Burkhart family magical hugs to Damian Lillard. That is fantastic. That, like, it's In fact, that yeah, this segment, this love hugs and hate mail thing is going to mean love magical hugs and hate mail. Because they're like, <laughs> Peyton's magical hug, that's that's sticking around. That's wonderful. Dame definitely deserves it, man. He needs it. Hopefully, it can fix what's ailing him, or at the very least, with the, the amount of weight he's carrying when you see what happens when he sits out. Ugh, that got ugly quick. Uh, again, I mean, the amount else. of weight you're carrying, like, that would make your back and core tighten yeah. up and be easily vulnerable to injury, so I get it probably why he has the injury uh but someone else that could use one could use a big hug this week maybe somewhat for support but also for encouragement because they've been doing better at least rounding into form of what we expected is nurik he seems a lot better i feel like he's he's looking better on both ends he still has a lot of pressure on him i'd say he's outside yeah. of dane he certainly is a critical component when he's not playing well it just changes what the team looks like so my hug's going to nurik yours is to dame both worthy hug recipients how about your hate mail do we, do we have anything besides a, the obvious answer, or are we just going to share say, this? I don't, I don't <laughs> think that's, I don't think that one's debatable. So I'll just let you handle it. Oh, Shay, he is still a blazer. Uh, thank you, Master of Segways, for letting me segue that because that just feels good to scream his name like Con, like Oh, Shay. That's not the best Con impression, but we'll go with it. Uh, yeah, man. Neil yeah, O'Shea no, what? Well, it's it's got to come on. You can't. Well, you can't. You can't put a two-syllable word into a one-syllable yell. It's got to be Neil. Oh, Neil. Okay, okay. It's got to yeah, be one okay. syllable to match. Come on. 
I'll cut. <laughs> okay, give me your give me your kneel. Give me your con scream. Give me your your big kneel. Kneel. Yes. Okay. We're gonna. I'm cutting that. Clipping it. We're bringing that back for future episodes. Uh, Neil O'Shea still a blazer. We did have someone kind of fall on the sword, maybe. Although you've convinced me possibly otherwise in the pre-show. We'll get to that in a second. But Chris McGowan uh, was his official title president of business operations. Just team president, I believe. Team president, okay. Uh, Either way, no matter what title it was, he doesn't have it anymore. Chris McGowan has stepped down. Uh, He announced the other day, uh, on the day when fans were expecting news of Olshay, according to some local journalists, I think that's what really kind of got this so caught up in the idea of maybe there's someone kind of taking the blame, is that uh, there have been some rumors going around that we might hear something something about... But we got Chris McGowan uh, stepping down instead, and he did clarify in the writing, as you have also made clear to me later, that this is unrelated to the Olshay drama overall. Uh, it's something that had been decided a while ago, but he, uh, maybe you can explain it better, Chris, but essentially he was sticking around to make sure the work he put in place, the job was going to get done. Is that no, I said that was I said that was purely speculation. I'm just oh, saying okay. I, I was I, I was saying from a pure business standpoint, it, it, it made sense for him to at least stay around through the summer and on to now because, I mean, there was uh, TV negotiations to get through. Obviously, you know, going through the the rough waters of starting a new season with a new TV partner. I mean, you wouldn't have wanted to, you know, move on from McGowan at the end of the season, hire a new president, and be like, oh, by the way, our contract with you know our former well, at the time still, but, uh, you know, our contract with our current, <laughs> there you go, our, our contract with our current rights holder is up, so we need you to find, you know, a new one or a new contract or figure out what we're going to do for TV next year. And, you know, so welcome to the team. So from a business <laughs> side, I think it stands to point, because like I said, I, I had heard as as early as the end of last year that I'd, I'd start to heard murmurs that uh, he could be looking for a, a, another gig and his next, his next opportunity. So it wasn't surprising to me. And I definitely think the timing is just uh, purely, purely coincidental. Well, that's fair. And uh, yeah, I like to speculate. Uh, it's, it's fine to speculate in a safe way like you are. I enjoy speculating that it's all a conspiracy, uh, that there's somehow some sort of tie where Neil sacrificed Chris McGowan to the, to the, to the whatever unholy gods are keeping him in the office. But this is why I thought that uh, McGowan's title was president of business operations is because in his wording, he named Dwayne Hankins as the president of business operations. So I kind of assumed that was a, a replacement, I guess. Uh, but anyway, McGowan also thanked Paul Allen, Jody Allen, uh, and Burt Cold for the opportunity. I did notice he didn't mention Olshay anywhere in any of this. And fair enough, again, he's... Not Olshay is not on the level as far as the business side as those other people, so there's really no reason to have mentioned him. But like yep. I said, I like to speculate that there's a conspiracy and uh, uh, maybe the, the whole reason McGowan wanted out is because he saw this Olshay stuff from behind the scenes. He knew it was coming. He's like, I need a better gig. Get me out of this franchise that's being run by a abusive, narcissistic, <laughs> toxic person. Okay, anyway. As far as fans' reaction, though, uh, again, I think because this came out on the same day that we were expecting news about Olshay, the reaction, a lot of people were kind of calling him out and maybe kind of like throwing some hate McGowan's way. Uh, But like you pointed out, he was on the business side of the franchise. He was not really much to do uh, with the basketball at all. He was, however, responsible for a couple things that might have irked fans, such as 
the deal with the Moda Center naming rights, uh, and then, like you've also pointed out, the deal with Root. Let's talk about this for a second. The name Rose Garden makes no money. It's attached to nothing. When you are in charge of running the business operations with which Chris McGowan was, your job was to try to make the company money. So you went with a naming rights sponsor because you got millions upon millions of dollars <laughs> to sign that deal. So he did exactly what his job was, was made the company money. Yes, you lost the Rose Garden name, but outside of Madison Square Garden, there is no unsponsored team anymore. Like, uh, See, but there you go, we were anymore. one of two. We were one of two left that that was a point of pride i love calling it the rose garden i still do nothing changed really for me at all but it was nice that it was known as the rose garden to hear that announced i'm with you i get it it was about the money it's a name it doesn't change anything it's just the, it's just the name on the on the facade outside the building we're judging we're judging a guy on doing his job and his yes. job was not to keep the name the rose garden his name was to make the or his job was to make the company money run the business side and he did made millions of dollars the whole root situation like again his job was to find a tv partner and the <laughs> negotiations going on with nbc weren't working to what the blazers liked so he went to his next alternative and best of my knowledge there weren't a lot of alternatives there weren't a lot of people vying for the the contract anyway so he found the one that best fit within the deals that were presented to him and he did that deal and people get mad about the distribution which i totally understand but at the same time his job was to find a tv partner and he did that from then on out the whole distribution stuff that's on route and let's not act like NBC was absolutely perfect in that. It took NBC years to get on the <laughs> streaming services and yeah. offer th things like the Blazer Pass. And it was in a really good position and offered in multiple streaming ways to fans by the end. But it wasn't like that in 2015 and it wasn't like that in 2016. Like, I mean, fans, remember when fans got incredibly upset when uh, the Blazers didn't get another deal done with KGW. So they lost the handful of games that were on just the basic cable package. So uh, his job was to find a, find a partner and then let them take care of the distribution. And that's what he did. He found Root. If, they, if, they, if, if he does not sign with Root or does not re-sign with NBC and they have no partner, where are you watching Blazer games? So it's the better alternative because the Blazers just don't have the situation set up to just start streaming all their own games right now and all the carded or whatever, which I still think is honest to God, the future of, of sports con you know, consumption is these, these, these teams need to take care of it themselves and just let fans buy into i you and i've said it before on the podcast keith i think it'd be a great business model to have especially nowadays like when you have your websites and your different streaming options that you can do like if you just had a, an all-inclusive like blazer like network, network run yeah yeah, yeah run totally. by the blazers that had a, a ton of of unique content on the day-to-day -day. like seriously if you if you got if you got a, a half hour long show that with Casey Holdall and you got a half hour long show with Brooke Olds and Dam and you got the Michael Holtons and and uh, Kevin Calabros and Lamar Hurst to host shows and then you had other reporters and talking heads come on and you, you so someone could tune in at noon on a Friday and still have unique content to watch that would be phenomenal but anyway long story short Keith he did his job and then he made he, he made money and yes you get upset but it's like the the I remember going to the Rose Garden back in the day and you were just buying a, a burger or a hot dog from some random 
name that could have been meant anything. Like Jimmy's hot dog stand. Like what the heck is Jimmy's hot dog stand, <laughs> right? But now you go in and you're yeah, you're buying it from from local vendors and you're buying your chicken strips from a local vendor and like there's all these businesses you can go have outside of Moda Center and then come have again when you're there. So those are little little things that are really cool that that he's doing. So uh, or, or did and McGowan was in charge of running the business side. Olshay in charge of running the basketball side. And those are two different arms of the business that you have to you have to separate. And let's not pretend like Neil Olshay did not like throw him under the bus even in his introductory press conference back in 2012 talking about how, you he know, like, oh, it's bus? Oh yeah. Oh, it's just nice to have someone who just focuses on the business side and just lets me take care of the basketball <laughs> side. Like he's over there at one center court cuz back then the basketball ops were where the PF and the business side was all there at the Rose Quarter. You know, he just goes over there and he takes care of his stuff and he just leaves me over here to do my stuff. Like he was kind of like trying to flex on him right then and there with the whole like don't wow. you try to tell me what to do on the basketball side. That's my gig. You know. Jeez. And again, wow. remind you that like people get mad at the whole like, you know, well he was in charge of, like he wasn't. McGowan was not in charge of hiring and firing Neil Olshay and who yeah, was appointed as, <laughs> uh, appointed as coach and all that. And remember, Chris McGowan was hired after Neil Olshay to begin with. So, yeah, there, the, the, the connection between McGowan and Olshay is pretty much in the fact that they worked for the Trailblazers. Did they rub shoulders and have some, you know, co-mingling and decisions? I mean... Yes, they did because they're so high up on the ladder, but their day-to-day -day operations were individual of each other. First off, thank you, sir, for, for uh, I know I get the fan side going. I like the conspiracies. I like to kind of uh, to feed into that, but you're not wrong. I see I see the logic and I appreciate uh, the, the clarity. Okay, so like you circle back to the uh, McGowan topic, let me circle back to what this originally started with. Olshay still being here. We have a listener question for the first time in quite a while. Uh, Blazers and Six at Nervous Orca asked us uh, just early today. I posted this real last minute, but we got a few. Uh, at Nervous Orca asks, will Olshay ever end? So, Chris, Mr. Realist, keeping this uh, on the straight and narrow, will Olshay ever end? Tell me that. <laughs> and oh, and I said, has it happened I said yet? Last time, Are we there yet? I said last time that I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a suspension and a slap on the wrist and stays around. But like, I think I think even over the uh, the last few weeks, I think the fact that the, the like people get mad at the investigation ongoing. Like, why don't you just fire him? You know, you don't have to have an investigation to let someone go. Uh, but I think what they're doing here is they are trying to vet it the best they can. I it, it almost comes across to me as if like the decision has been made and that decision is likely to move on, but the investigation is here to, you know, cross the T's and dot the I's, so to speak, so that they don't have yeah. to pay him his buy his buyout and aren't Get attached to him financially. It's just come on, all right, now we're done. We have the re like we fired you with just cause, there's nothing here. You breached your contract, whatever, like okay, you're done and you don't have to pay the guy anymore. That's the the longer it goes on, it almost starts to sound like that to me. I just say I wouldn't be shocked the other way because it's like sometimes this organization can be a little shocking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that, that, this wouldn't be the first time that they kind of like all signs pointed left and they ended up going backwards or something. 
but I did hear, uh, I think it was on the Locked On podcast with Mike Richmond. Shout out to him. I think it's a couple weeks now that I've uh, given a little shout out to him because he's very informative. He's very, very good to listen to, and they, uh, they he's doing it daily, I believe, at this point. Uh, but he's had Jason Quick on for a number of episodes, and he asked Jason Quick about this, and I can't remember the exact quote off the top of my head, but I believe Jason was pretty clear to say he doesn't see Olshay being around through the rest of this season. He, he thinks it yeah, will at either. some point happen. So, uh, fans, uh, after Chris has shut down all my other conspiracies and all my kind of uh, fire stoking, we have that one to cling to. We can f- cross our fingers that Olshay will not make it through <laughs> the rest of the season, and that is oh, I don't I don't think he will. I just said yeah, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised because you know, no, I know how yeah. things come. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just what you need to do, Keith, is you need to you need to quit dragging your feet and you need to get the studio set up so you can turn on at a moment's notice because we're likely going to have to have breaking news on friday it might not it might not be the old shay news but there will be blazer news because it's happened on a friday night like clock on a friday (laughs) god knows why is that and i mean like for anyone that doesn't get the joke like i put news on a friday is you you tend to not do that right that's the idea is that like you you're killing your news by like having to go into the into the weekend essentially when there'll be many headlines and no one's going to care about what you brought up friday yep exactly you hope it's dead by monday when everyone returns back to the office it's (laughs) you know and that's how blazers work they they want the news to get out there and go dead uh yeah okay so uh we had our weekly spaces last night, the pregame before the Toronto Raptors game, and this was awesome, man. I think we had another really good group. We had some fun topics to go, oh, go through. We talked about the mixtape jerseys. Uh, we got a little more input from fans beyond the, the impressions that you and I had had on the podcast a couple weeks back. We went over the Dame ab injury, how he sat out against Denver, if he was going to be sitting out more. We talked about this old Shea and Chris McGowan stuff, and... You know, again, I like stoking those conspiracy fires, so thank you for uh, for all those who are for in for it. Thank you, and for all those who are hearing Chris now uh, shut me down, rightly so. My apologies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the big one last night on Spaces, the thing that I think was really uh, the highlight of the hour was we had our first, uh, another segment that we're bringing on here for Trailcasters that I want to kind of repeat through, uh, is Pick a Team. And the first one we had was Gary Trent Jr. versus Norman Powell pretty apt since it was Gary Trent's return to Portland uh, last night, but where do you feel it fell overall? How, how do you think, uh, which side do you think people fell on last night in the conversation? I was actually, I was actually a little, well, I was a little shocked. I was a little, I thought it was 50-50. I think some people upset still that, you know, Norman Powell is here and Gary Trent Jr. is not, with that's no disrespect to, to Norm. It's just a lot of fans or uh, were fans of Gary Trent Jr. There was uh, some people who are on my side of the of the aisle that I think Norman Powell is a is a better player than Gary Trent Jr. And Portland won that trade. Uh, there was people like like uh, Chris from Hoop Spaces that said that it, it's you know saying that the Blazers got the better end of the deal is is classic Neil Olshay spin because Gary Trent <laughs> Jr. is this and that. So I, that's why I thought it was something we should definitely talk about, Keith, because it was it there was there wasn't a clear cut answer with the fandom there. So I, I was a little shocked there because I think the answer is pretty clear cut. Yeah, I I liked hearing from everyone's uh, opinions on it, and I, I I think you're right. I think it was largely kind of split down the middle. Shout out again to Chris at Hoop Spaces. Hey! It was fun having him in here, and he does bring up good points as well. And uh, not always for the Blazers, uh, but you know the I think the Neil Olshay Neil Olshay hate everyone kind of get behind right now. Last night in the game, 
Gary Trent Jr. had the slight edge. I think I saw the numbers were... Uh, Norman Powell ended the game with 12 points, 4 rebounds, 1 assist. Gary Trent Jr. notched 18 points, 6 rebounds, and 1 assist. So just barely kind of uh, going over the top there, but you know, not obviously the largest sample size in the world. We'll have to, have to see a few more matchups before I'm going to say uh, that, that I'm changing my change my mind. But I'm with you. I think at this point, I I feel pretty good with Powell in Portland. Gary Trent Jr. looks nice, but uh, I think Powell brings a little more as far as length, as far as defense, as far as kind of a even confidence and, and maybe some some playmaking get into the rim uh, that you're not seeing from from Trent at least not yet and you know I know there's a whole age conversation there as well yeah I mean well I mean you, you can't judge who won based off the game Keith you got to judge off who's the better player and I think the better player is hands down Norman Powell he's he's I he's, he's a better shooter he plays better within the flow than offense he's a better defender um it's just, I would much rather have him. And the fact, I mean, he's doing good things for Portland, and he's playing out of position because he's a, he's a shooter, <laughs> not yeah. a small not a small forward. And you're Bonus playing him, you're playing him, and you're playing him as the third guard in a three guard lineup. So you know his hands are tied there. If he's your starting two guard and he's your two guard in a two guard lineup, uh, and he's getting a, he's getting a lot of shots and he's playing at a heavy clip. I think he's he's going to be putting up good numbers too. I mean, he only shot 33% last night, but I mean, he only got nine shots within the flow of the offense. Gary Trent Jr. got 18. So ah, you can't com compare that there. Um, but the thing is, all things considered, like, yeah, I would much rather have Norm Powell. I, I, one thing I, I, I loved Gary Trent Jr., you know, being a dog. Like he just, he, he was so fierce and just always brought the energy on the court. What I didn't like about him is he doesn't, he, he doesn't play very well. And that's why I do like Norman Powell is he doesn't play well within the flow of an offense. He, he will take a ball and he will jack up a shot when he is so contested and has no business taking the shot and just completely <laughs> kill any, any, any flow or momentum that an offensive unit had for a moment and it, and he definitely gets some tunnel vision sometimes where it's just like i got some stuff to take care of i'm gonna go do it and and just again be a dog and i love that about him but it's also a detriment to, to how he plays norman powell doesn't do that norman powell's very within the flow uh which i love and there was people you know brought brought up the topics about money and this and that and when you really look at the at the money side of things like yeah norman yeah. powell norman powell did sign uh, that five-year deal so he's gonna he's gonna be locked in for a while but if you compare their deals over the next three years norman powell is actually cheaper than gary trent jr like gary trent jr is is, is on the books for 16 mil this year norm powell's on for 15 five uh that that goes to 16 seven next year for normal norman powell but it's 17 two for gary trent jr oh he's then, in yeah, and then Gary Trent Jr. Uh, the last year is a player option at eighteen five, and in the third year of Norman Powell's deal, it's eighteen even. So over the next wow. three years, Norman Powell is cheaper than Gary Trent Jr. And with the inflation of the league, uh, even at nineteen and twenty in 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 uh, twenty twenty five, like that's not necessarily an awful deal because at that same time. Damian Lillard is going to be making 52. So <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> or something absurd like that. So, uh, so yeah, like money wise, production wise. Yeah. I would rather have, um, Norman Powell. And I also think that, that Gary Trent Jr.'s shooting numbers this year, some people have pointed out to them being, uh, lower than his career numbers, um, shooting, uh, 35%, um, 
from deep right now, and that's what he shot last year with Toronto. When he left Portland, he was shooting 39. I personally think that 35-36 is probably closer to his actual shooting percentage now that he's he's given more of a workload. So, yeah, all things considered, I would take Norman Powell over Gary Trent Jr. The only negative to the trade to me that didn't make sense and still doesn't make sense is you're like, is you traded a guard for a guard so that you could play that guard at small forward. You could have just played Gary <laughs> Trent Jr. at small forward and, and saw how it worked out. That's the only weird part to me, but just all thing, everything else taken out of the equation, just comparing Norman Powell to Gary Trent Jr. as a player, I, I prefer Norman Powell. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, and I think you put it better than I could at this point. So let's, uh, let's move on. Shout out again to everyone from the spaces last night. It was really fun having it. Uh, we will get to our next one next week. Uh, on our next one next week. Yeah, let's let's phrase it that way every time. Our next spaces next week. <laughs> that's not much better. Our spaces next week will be before the game against the Nuggets. The game is at 7 o'clock, so pregame with us on Twitter spaces through the Hoop Spaces Network at 6 p.m. Uh, see you guys then. As far as the games this last week, if we can scroll back to the last Friday, we had our first road win of the season, Against Houston, which, you know, they, it's still something. It still counts. <laughs> it counts, uh, you know, as much as maybe uh, the Warriors win against OKC. But, you know, we don't have to get back into all that. Um, you talked earlier. I think your your love went out to Nas this week. And this game, I assume, has got to be a lot, of why, a, a lot of why. Besides all his general play, that dunk, man. That dunk against Houston Ooh. on Friday. It's it's my uh, my lock screen on my phone now. That is incredible. Nas that nasty Nas earned that nickname Oof. right there. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Ooh, boy. So good. <laughs> my dad even texted after that dunk. <laughs> my dad texted me, holy like <laughs> I can pull caps. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, J Jason Quick tweeted, and, and Jason Quick's been covering this team for a long time now, and he's like, I think that's one of the more impressive dunks that I've seen in person covering oh. the Blazer games, and, and that says something because there's been some real good ones. And oh yeah, it was it was a jump out of your seat type of dunk, that's for sure. It, it, it reminded me of like Blake Griffin in the day because he had that one where he like was off someone's shoulder and kind of thrunked it, just like kind of threw it at the rim and slammed it in. Uh, yeah, man, I liked it. Uh, it was it was pretty sweet. Nas got the post game uh, interview with Brooke as well, so cool to see him kind of get a little more shine, you know. And obviously, would it would have been awesome if Nas, the, the the quiet one who doesn't get a lot of camera time, would have been the one that dropped the f bomb instead of CJ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. <laughs> Uh, although he might not get a whole lot more camera time after, maybe he's saving that for later. You know, he's got a, a little more credit built up. Um, uh, I, had, I had some notes on Nurk from this game, but let's just skip that. We'll get to that uh, in a minute when, when we get past the disgusting, gross thing that was the 95 to 124 loss in Denver. Uh, so first things first, as far as qualifiers, this game was the one that Dame sat out for his ab uh, abdominal injury. He did play against Toronto. Uh, we can get into questions of should he have or should he not? Uh, do we expect him to be sitting out many more games? Like, what do you think is their plan here? What's what's the pattern going to be when we see him? Uh, I know we discussed before a little bit about quotes Dame has had, uh, but where, where are you at on this, Chris? I don't expect to see him sitting out unless it flares up again. Like, I just... I don't think they're going to play it. They, I don't think the intention was ever to do a sit one out, play the next, sit one out, play the next. It was literally, hey, it's not feeling good, and 
you know, he probably would have pushed through, but the team's, team was like, no, it's going to be more beneficial for you to just sit out this game and we'll get you back in the next one. So he sits out. And, like, you brought up a great point on the on the spaces. Like, uh, it, it made sense. I mean, you got the you got the, the altitude, the, the travel to get there against a good defensive team like Denver that was going to make him work for everything. Like, if, if there's yeah. a chance to strain it, it was that game. So, uh, no, I don't I don't see him sitting out anymore until unless it flares up and he has to sit one out. I just don't think it was the plan, like, sit, play, sit, play, sit, play. Right. Got to remember, this is an injury he's he's dealt with before and has, has dealt with for a few years now, and, and it has been kind of the same. Like, oh, sit out a game go on for a couple weeks if it flares up sit out if not you're good to go and it's something that he said in the locker room to the media before when asked about how severe it is it's like nope it's just it's just something that can flare up uh it doesn't really affect me too much outside of trying to deal with the pain so yeah it's, it's i don't think that he's worried about straining it and making it worse um i think he's just more worried about just that pain management and that's why he's had that game out so i, I think i think you're fine with him honestly just from his past dealing with it yeah, I, I'm fair with that. I just, you know, I guess, again, as far as fans crossing their fingers, it's just another, another one of those that we've just got to hope rolls the right way. Injuries are part yeah, of the season. And I, it's always going to be a thing, but yeah. Yeah, and I'm also, I'm also on the side of the player in these situations, not the side of the fan. And my, what I mean by that, yeah, that's, what I mean by that is I know the fan wants the longevity and, and that player, you know, don't worry about hurting yourself. We want you again for next year and this and that. But the thing is uh, next year is not guaranteed and how long your career is going to be is not guaranteed. And even at your best, your, your, your window of being a very, very good NBA player is very, very limited. So I am definitely in favor of if the body can go, let's go because you never know what day is going to be your very last basketball game. You know what I mean? Uh, so I'm I'm in favor of getting as much out of your career and as much time on that court as possible because eventually, uh, if all goes well, you're gonna have a nice long career and you're gonna retire, uh, you know. But even then, that means your career comes to an end. You don't want to look back and go, man, there there was games I probably could have played that I didn't, you know. Like right, I'm right. I'm very I'm very on just get as many games in as you can because. Like you said, you never know, man. Dude, I only played I only played baseball through high school, and I still go like, dude, if I go back to high school, I wish I could go back to high school for one day. My wife's like, I hated high school. I don't want to go back to high school. I'm like, no, I don't want to go back to high school for high school. I want to go back to high school just to play one more baseball game, just one more. <laughs> like, like, so yeah, I'm I'm in favor of, of just getting your time on the court when, especially when your body's ready. So yeah, that's just my two cents. Uh, a minute ago, you also mentioned the qualifiers. I just want to be clear on that, too. Uh, this game, as, as much as the loss was gross, and again, you know, as much as I heard from my dad about the Nas dunk with the previous game, uh, I heard some, uh, some, some threats that he might not be picking up his uh, tickets next year if they couldn't turn it around after this one. And again, if all of our losses were going to be 29-point losses like that, then I, could, I get where he's coming from. Shout out to Dad. I know he's listening to this as well. Hey! Uh, but yeah, quick qualifiers just so fans can maybe cool off a little bit after that one. It was the eighth road game in the first 14 games. Already the Blazers, like you pointed out, Chris, have had three back-to-backs. It was home and home, road and road, and then a road, road and home all in the last week and a half. We have two more back-to-backs in the next two weeks. So this is the, the dense part of the schedule. Uh, beyond that, also like you mentioned, De Denver is a defensive juggernaut. They're like a top three or five in a lot of different defensive metrics. 
compared to the Blazers who are trying to run a new scheme on defense, a new scheme on offense under a new head coach. We have new role players going on. I, I'm, I just, I hope people are able to kind of maybe just not worry too much about that loss. Uh, anytime we don't have Dane, let alone all that other stuff, we're going to struggle. But, you know, despite all that, we did hear from Chauncey, he called out the, the lack of effort from the team. He said he should he wanted to see more from them, probably especially considering that Dane wasn't in there, you would hope to maybe see the other guys try and step up instead of just kind of uh, taking the night off a little bit, uh, which I think he kind of referred to at one point. But the next night, we come home, we face the Raptors, we get a five-point win, 118-113, much closer than maybe it felt at some time. I felt like we were in control for a bit of this. It was, it was a good back-and-forth game, though. We did see a lot more effort, though, as far as maybe Chauncey calling out the team. Not quite put an address on it. I don't think he was too specific, at least not publicly. But we saw some big effort and hustle from some of our uh, our players, specifically Nasir Little and Larry Nance Jr. At the end of the game, even, Nas and Nance closed out the game for Nurk and Rocco. And I've seen fans making a note that they actually uh, played, Nas and Nance actually played more minutes than Nurk and Rocco as well. This, Chris, is leading me back around to the concerns with Nurk. We've seen him playing better recently, but are we worried about his overall role? And also, you know, you've you've kind of, as you brought up before, Rocco, he just doesn't seem to have quite found his groove yet. Uh, are we getting far enough in where you think it's a bigger issue than, uh, than maybe we were given credit for before? Uh, I think it's a, you're at the, uh, you're at the part in the season where you can't, continue to hope that it writes you, you got to find situations get the best lineup you can out there and then if, if nurk and and roko start to write their ship themselves then you get them back in there in those situations but i don't think you can just keep throwing them out there and hope for the best like you know what i mean if, if, does that make sense because yeah. yeah, like definitely. and like like and, and this is not i i don't want to say it, it's not a knock on 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 terry uh, but like Terry would sometimes kind of stick to the lineup, right? Like, okay, yeah, Dame yeah. checks it. Ch Dame always checks in and out at this point. CJ always checks in and out at this point. And one thing I want to see more of is, is is more like, no, I want I want the, the better players on the court. I want the hot players on the court. I don't like the subbing in and out all the time. I'd have to go into Billups full, you know, games just a little bit more to see how he's doing that rotation but no my, my, my whole point is stick with the guys that are working and it's proven that in those situations that, that Nas and uh, uh nance are, are playing well together in those spots um a lot of people saying that they they, they prefer that five-man lineup the most um it, it's reaping some benefits uh on the court like I, I was looking this up earlier and it's interesting that like one of the some of the Blazers most productive t uh, five man lineups in both offensive and defensive rating have uh, Larry Nance Jr. And, and Nasir Little in them. So, it, yeah, it's it's definitely some things that you got to continue to work on. Like if it's me, though, like and I'm sorry, I'm going the long winded way. No, you're good. Uh, but that, that's <laughs> what the magic of editing's for. But uh, no, like if, it, if it's me, though, I, I look at the two of them and as much as Nurk has been up and down, I think that Robert Covington has been a little bit more of a black hole at that spot. Not that, like I have the ball in my hand, no one else gets it black hole, but just like, there's just nothing there. Like, like when you, he's your starting power forward and you're getting three points and nothing else from him. Like I think he did against Denver. Like that's not good. Yeah. Um, and 
like Nurk has been up and down too, but Nurk has had more positive games thus far than Robert Covington has. So I think you really do have to look at what you have in the lineup. Like Cody Zeller has been good, but to me, there's just no argument for Cody Zeller starting over Yusuf Nurkic, no matter how bad Yusuf Nurkic is. Like Cody <laughs> Zeller is not Nurk. But I think there is a legitimate competition kind of playing out before our eyes of Nasir Little and or Larry Nance really starting to breathe down Robert Covington's neck a little bit to, to get into that lineup. So I think as we continue to watch that play out, I think it definitely adds some intrigue to what's going on with these lineups, Keith. Well, once again, the master of segues, segues perfectly into our next listener question. Brought to us from Blazers in One, Justin B. Lee. Uh, shout out to him again, another one of our longtime listeners who used to write in a bunch when we used to take more questions. He asks today, if you had to bench one starter, but it couldn't be CJ, let's just say the new GM is shopping him, who would it be between Rocco, Norm, or Nurk? Obviously, Dame isn't going anywhere. Uh, it sounds, Chris, like we're both kind of talking like right now, it sounds like it's Rocco. Oh, it's, I think it'd be without a doubt, Rocco. I'm not benching Norman Powell. Norman Powell is yeah, you can't, good yeah. at that position. I've said it so many times in this podcast, I'll continue to beat that horse till it changes, but he's playing out of position. Like, it's it's, it's going to be hard for that. But Nurk, Nurk you're going to give up a ton if you take him out. Rocco, uh, is, he's still a very good um, defender within the, the scheme of the defense and within the lane, but he's... He's not the best defender one-on-one. Like, Norman Powell is a much better one-on-one defender than than Robert Covington is. Um, and Larry Nance and Nasir Little have been playing very, very well, and they've, they've earned the minutes that they've been getting. So, yeah, if I had to bench one, it would be Robert Covington. I, I hope it doesn't necessarily come to that, because as we've said before, I'm a Robert Covington defender because he's my favorite player yeah. in the NBA. So <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 feel like, I, I feel like already, at least right now, my my... Peyton's magic hug for next week has got to go to Chris because Robert Covington has got to turn this around or else I feel like you're getting you might be getting to the bro. point. You might be getting to the point with Robert Covington that you were with Mo Harkless and Alfa Aminu. And the thing is, oh. I, 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 and the thing is, I liked both of them. They fit the team very, very well. And personally, I'd like to both have, I'd like to have both of them in Portland still. The thing is, I said it when they were here and I would be firm on it now because neither one of them is as good as they were when they were here. But that was that you you would know Portland had turned the corner on that roster when Alfred Rucumino and Mo Harkless were bench players, not starters. Like neither one of them was a right, star, should have been right. a starter. And Robert Covington is kind of starting to get in that area for me. Like you okay. know that this roster has maybe made a drastic move or or tra- traded out assets and brought the proper people in when Robert Covington is your power forward, small forward guy off the bench and he's not off in your starting bench. lineup any, uh, anymore because he's he's the weak spot within that lineup at this point. So I think that that getting drastically close to Aminu Harkless area as in <laughs> they've turned the corner when he's not in the starting lineup. Well, that, that has to sting for you, buddy. I, I, I hope you're okay. It's a virtual pat on the back I'm sending your way. And the thing is, look <laughs> at Robert Cohen and what he does. He's shooting the three-point three, three point ball very well. Um, I believe he's at like 44% this year. Um, uh, he continues to be very good within the, uh, from the corners. He's good in space on defense. Uh, but again, if you can start getting the production that he's bringing, but more off of your bench and within your second unit and and give a little bit of a buffer for your starting lineup. I think that's a good thing. And honestly, I think it probably better suits Robert Covington as a player. 
again, coming from Look a very, bench, very yeah. big Robert Covington defender. Like, and he's <laughs> played, I mean, yeah, he started, what, 433 of 481 games of his career. Um, but he's a, he's a career, like, what, a career 11.9 points, 4.8 yeah. rebounds. Like, those aren't earth-shattering starting forward numbers. Um and granted, he played a lot of the time you know, beginning his career with with Philly and uh, for a time there in Minnesota at small forward. He's only played exclusively power forward the last four years. But even last year with Portland was a very, very big down year. He played 70 games, started all 70, but only averaged eight and a half points and 6.7 rebounds. That eight and a half points was the, the, the worst since his rookie year when he only played seven games total. So there was well, an obvious... Oh, and no, now is it even worse? He, he's even below that. He's, I mean, again, it's early in the season, but we're looking yeah. right now at six point eight points, and I think uh, four, yeah, four point seven rebounds. The, the other big one to me, just if I can kind of continue with what you're, what you're saying, is Robert Covington is known as that help defender. Uh, his oh, steal yeah. numbers, career-wise, his, his steals were one point six. He's at one point one this season, and again, that's the lowest uh, since his rookie year. So yeah, if, so if and those, yeah, it, yeah, and the you know block numbers, it's only point. Point nine, um, but again, he was averaging you know one point eight back in yeah twenty nineteen. Like that's a whole extra block per game. And when teams don't get a lot of blocks per game in general, like that's a big difference. So, and if you really start to look at his his statistical output, it's a little bit more on the on the downturn. So, uh, yeah, I think he's he's approaching that that time in his career. Where I think he's he's definitely going to be more of a bench player. Um, and yeah. Portland might be beneficial to put Nas in there. I said early, early, early on in our podcast, mm-hmm. uh, Keith, that I I thought Nasir had a ton to gain as the backup oh, yeah. power forward, right? And that is playing out, especially with the fact that you know they get in those lineups where they're playing Nance at the five. So yeah, I man, maybe you get to the position where you you put Nas in there or Larry Nance. I think would almost be you know your better option, so you could still get productive minutes from Nas at the four in your second dairy lineup and then decide how you want to use Rocco. Rocco can play center in those small lineups. He, he did it with Houston. He did it with uh, Minnesota. So you, you never know what you get out of there, but yeah, long story short, which is like the, the <laughs> highlight. It's like that old, that South park episode where they go, you know, zip lining. Yeah. Well, long story short. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's a great reference. Might, might be, might be time to get Rocco on the, onto the second unit. I'm with you. Uh, and here, uh, continuation from Justin Bielik's question. Hey! I feel like the coach is in a unique pickle with this wildly unbalanced yet talented roster. Vets in contract years, expe- expectations, being a first-time coach with a GM who's under investigation. I'm interested to see how one would execute a benching under these circumstances. So, two, th- <laughs> three things I want to hit, hit there. Pickle. Fantastic. Thank That's you a, for that Yeah. One. Great, great. <laughs> uh... The, the, the second one in line, uh, I think, I, uh, that I want to bring up, uh, how, how would a benching, not ex- exactly how, what Justin asked about is how you would execute a benching under these circumstances, but how would a benching of Covington, you think, affect the team? Do you think dropping him down, uh, bringing Nas up, do you think that had any sort of, any sort of bad uh, effects in the locker room and whatnot? Nope, not if it works. Not if it works. And again, we're Not talking about Robert Covington. He, he's a dude who can handle that maturely, I feel like, more so than maybe yep. other players would. Uh, he's Not, not if be it one works. Of those... winning, winning cures all, my man. There all you right? go. Okay. Okay, so, so speaking of winning, that's the final thing I want to bring up on this uh, from the second part of uh, Blazers and One's question here, or comment on the following up on his question. The unbalanced yet talented roster. 
We're talking so much right now about Robert Covington moving to the bench. If it works, could solve a lot of problems. You're moving Nas and Nance, like Nance up to the four, Nas to the three. Well, not Nas to the three because we have Norm in the three, but that being the other issue is wanting to move Norm more towards the two. It seems like what this is coming back to is we really need some sort of trade facilitated here, something to balance out the guards. Not even just, I know I've uh, notoriously talked about trading CJ, but it wouldn't even have to be CJ, CJ necessarily. We just have so many guards where, like you point out, Norm playing out of position, a lot of this could be solved if you went from an unbalanced yet talented roster to a balanced, talented, and lethal roster. It's, it, we're not far away, but yeah, there's that one big trigger. Yeah, and I think the unfortunate part there is that, that the the uh, the window on getting your best return for CJ McCollum, I think, is closed. I think it's done. I think the best time to trade CJ McCollum was probably about three years ago when you were having realistic conversations of could you get a Chris Middleton for a CJ McCollum? That's You're not getting that type of talent back for CJ McCollum right now. I, I, I love CJ McCollum's game. As I've said on the podcast and tweeted before, I think Portland fan is so uh, enamored with the idea of trading him that sometimes you forget to sit back and realize how lucky you are to have him. He's a top five shooting guard. He's never complained about his usage or his playing time or wanting to be that guy. He pairs nicely alongside Damian Lillard. It just puts you with two undersized guards that aren't very effective on the defensive end. That's, a, that's the bad part, but like their offensive styles it's not like they clash right but yeah. the thing is you look at you look at shooting guard play throughout the league and that position is just so stacked and there's so many players that you can just put in to the starting lineup and they're gonna go get you 20 points a game per night there is nobody on the face of the planet gonna debate that gary trent jr is a better player than cj mccollum <laughs> but cj but but gary trent jr can drop 20 points per game as a starting right. a starting shooting guard. And and, right. and that's the point. The, the 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 position is so stacked that there's so many plug and play players out there that there's teams that look at CJ McCollum and go, "Is he an upgrade over Gary Trent Jr?" Yes, so Toronto can go, "Oh, I want him." But then they go, "What am I willing to give up when my alternative is keeping another guy who can also score 20 points just maybe not as effectively as CJ?" You understand what I'm saying? So yeah. I think because of that I think because of that, it's killed, it's killed his trade, his trade value. Because I just don't think you're going to be able to get as much back in return because the position he's currently playing is so stacked with talent across the league that you well, can and, look and at it like look. Well, look at a team like Philly, right? Do you think a team like like a team like Philly goes Ben Simmons is, is super disgruntled? Of course, there's the reports of like, yeah, we want Damian Lillard, which probably a pipe dream. But the thing is, <laughs> do I want to? Do I want to give up Ben Simmons and this and that and picks or whatever the hell they feel like? Let's just throw the craziest possible scenario out there to get CJ McCollum. Or do I want to, you know, continue to, to ride this out, see what other deals I can get right, and right. continue to ride Seth Curry, who in, you know, his limited usage, he's playing 30 minutes a night, but limited usage is scoring 18 points a night and shooting 48% from three. Give up assets or just roll with that? I think I'm just going to roll with Curry to not right. give up a ton of assets. Like, that's my point. So the long story and short here is essentially that... Uh... <laughs> Yeah. Long, uh, the, long story short, 
The long story short here is that essentially uh, it's it's not even a problem about CJ as much as it's a problem with his market, with the supply and demand of shooting Absolutely. guards that can do what CJ does. That's, that's the point I'm making, which is where I argue that I think he brings more value. He brings more value to the Blazers as a Blazer than as a trade asset. Because if the Blazers keep him, they have a they have a top five shooting guard, which says something in the stacked when the position is stacked. But getting rid of him, you're just not going to get a ton in return. So it might benefit you to keep him and try to look elsewhere. But that's the part that's that's where it gets annoying with the Neil Olshay spin on things, right? Where it's like, well, we could have done this, but assets. We didn't have the asset. We 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 don't have the assets. To, to build around Dame and CJ right now. And we really don't want to trade them, but we don't have the assets. We don't have the assets. The reason you don't have the assets is because you put yourself in you a position to not have the assets. <laughs> yeah. That's where it gets annoying. Like like I said, I love CJ McCollum, but the like, if you would have traded him three years ago, your return on CJ McCollum would have been far more than you're going to get this year, even though he's a better player right now than he was three years ago. It's just because the, the shooting guard position has improved in that amount of time. Look at Jordan yeah. Poole in Golden State, man. Yeah, right. Jordan Poole is just, is, he's a freaking bucket getter, and he came out of nowhere. Yeah. And that goes to my point. Jordan Poole, as the starting shooting guard in Golden State, is averaging 17.2 points per game right now. Like, he's, he's getting buckets. And they're going to have to balance that out with Clay Thompson when Clay Thompson is healthy. But this, like, and so three years ago, Jordan Poole wasn't in the league. Then he comes in and as a rookie and scores 8.8 points, then 12. And now this year he's at 17.3. So that's why I said, like, 2018, 2019, that, that was CJ McCollum's window, especially off of uh, that 2019 offseason when it was, you were off of the Western Conference uh, finals run and he was pivotal in, in beating the Nuggets in that series. I think his trade his his trade status was at an all time high, and I think just because again, look at how good Jordan Poole is doing proves to my point to how good the shooting card position is, how stacked it is, and how it's killed his trade value. And you said it perfect, Keith. His his trade value is nothing to do with him. It has everything to do right. with how the NBA has changed in such a short amount of time. And then again, it goes right back down to Neil Olshay because the reason you didn't have the assets is because your inability to use the assets you had to get more assets and build that team. <laughs> like this whole uh, this whole idea like like giving 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 Neil Olshay a passing grade on the offseason. And people debated that. Again, the entire offseason changed with the addition of uh Larry Nance Jr., right? That that changed everything cuz he's been a pivotal point. But you sit here and you try to you try to validate. Oh, Tony Snell's great. Ben McLemore is a good addition. Those two don't freaking play. <laughs> Those two do not play. Yeah. And he said, and then you sit there, and this was the thing that we I, I argued. I said Tony Snell and Ben Lack, Ben McLemore and Cody Zeller, who is playing, who is making contributions. But even Cody Zeller is running an interesting situation here because Larry Nance Jr. is getting a lot of minutes at center, which is hampering Cody Zeller's usage, right? But you looked at those and you go, given the assets that Neil Olshay had, Tony Snell is is still, again, he's not a bad addition because he's a good three-point shooter, hits from the wing. Ben McLemore, good three-point shooter. Cody Zeller, good defender of the paint. Those are good additions, but the swing, the, the spin that Neil's going to give you is, oh, but we didn't have a lot of assets to go out there and get the Aaron Gordons of the world or the whatever 
but the reason you don't have the assets is because you have put yourself in a position <laughs> to have no assets to work with. So don't try to spin it as if it's if, if it's the assets fault because you are the one that's solely responsible for the assets you have to use. So, who, so, again, so whose fault is it, Chris? But that's the thing. When you have no money to use in the offseason, Keith, when you have no money to use in the offseason and you have to shell out vet minimums, like Tony Snell is not a bad addition on a vet min deal. Ben McLemore is not a bad addition on a vet min deal. There's, there's, I don't think you can argue that. They're both good players. But when two of your three big free agent swings are getting DMPs or playing spot minutes, like... Or you could even just say how, when when how your, good was your off season? You could yeah you could even just say when when your big moves are vet min deals. It's like you're just not taking big swings. That, that's that's Absolutely. that is. There, I mean well it's not it's not that he's, but the thing is he has he has no big swing to take in that that, right. that, well, that, that yeah, because he's, yeah. he's hampered himself uh, financially. That's why when you have your assets, when you do have guys like a CJ McCollum that can get you a ton in return, you have to take advantage of that in the long run. Especially when your argument for every single offseason is always getting free agents to come right. to Portland is hard. Getting free agents to come to Portland is hard. CJ McCollum, again, three years ago, was probably one of the best trade assets that they've had in a very, very long time, and they failed to oh, do yeah. anything with it. So, yeah, it's... Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm over it. I'm over it. The, I, I'm over I'm over the Olshay spins. I'm 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 tired of 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 eating the BS and being told that it's good food. Like no, it's just it's 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 just not good. Does Neil Olshay have some hits? Like does he have some good moves? Yeah, absolutely. But oh, I, I will not stand for this Neil Olshay praise on this podcast. Don't whoa, whoa, that. whoa! No, 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 no. Getting Nurk in a pick was a good was a good move. Getting Rodney Hood uh, on the buyout market was a good move. Getting Ennis Cantor uh, was a huge move in the buyout market because he was hugely improved the team. And it was pretty nice to get Ennis Cantor on the buyout market and not for twenty mil a year, which is what Neil Olshay wanted to offer him when he ended up going to OKC. So, <laughs> like. Remember, there was an offseason where he wanted Chandler Parsons, Hassan Whiteside, and Ennis Cantor all on max deals. Like, <laughs> oh my god, just, that is horrible just, to look back on. It's just so bad. Like, it's just it's the more you look at it, the worse it gets. And so, anyway, I don't know how we went on a Neil Olshay tangent because of no, the roster, it's, but how can we not we go? Hey, we you are. just answered your own question. How can you not go on a Neil Olshay tangent when you're talking about the roster? This is it's, it's cyclical it's, here, man. True, it's all about true. Neil. Uh, but hey. Uh, both of our questioners, uh, at Nervous Orca and at hey, Justin B. Leak, thank hey. you both. Blazers in six and Blazers in one. Thank you both for, for writing in. That gave us a lot of fuel. That, that gave us some things to talk about. Uh, what else I think kind of brings us back to is our one of our two new segments, Pick a Team. We had that round one on Space the other night, uh, last night, between Gary Trent Jr. and Norman Powell. We got to pick our, uh, our next round. Our listeners maybe hey. could help us pick the next round. We could talk... Team Ant versus Team Nas, uh, Ant versus Norm, Norm versus CJ, and the idea here is that one of these guys, to improve the team, this unbalanced yet talented roster, shout out Justin, hey! to improve this team, you gotta move someone, we've gotta make a move, so we can't be attached to all of the guys that we love, so whose team are you gonna be on? I think one of those three matchups is who we should talk about next week. Uh, we can leave it to listeners unless you unless you feel strongly, Chris. Uh, Ant versus Nas, Ant versus Norm, Norm versus CJ. It's all about the guards mostly here outside of Nas. But uh, 
uh, yeah, listeners, write into Trailcasters. Let us know what you what you think. Uh, send your loves, hugs, and hate mail to all of us, and we'll keep the uh, we'll we'll maybe use that to feed the segment uh, for the next episode. And also, please, everybody, come join us next Tuesday before the Denver game, 6 p.m. on Twitter Spaces. Uh, finish off the Blazers' homestand with some nice celebrations. Send them off on the road trip, the next road trip, uh, with all the good vibes. Chris, anything else you want to throw in here before we get out? Uh, I just want to real, real quick bring some more facts to the table on Norman Powell about playing Ooh. out of position. Uh, the most he ever played at small forward in his time in Toronto was prior to the trade where he played roughly 52% of his minutes at small forward, 45 at shooting guard. Other than that, it's been exclusive. I mean, the year before that, 70% of his minutes at shooting guard, uh, 80% of his minutes and 93% of his minutes his first two years. To put that in perspective, the minute he was traded to Portland, those numbers jumped. He played 72% of his minutes at small forward last year. And then for a guy who is, again, barely played small forward comparatively over his entire career, he's played 93% of his minutes at small <laughs> forward, at small oh forward this season. Only 4% at, shoot, at shooting guard, which is his natural position, and 3% in lineups that have him at power forward. Like a power forward, not even point guard, not even running the offense, just power forward. No, this is all, th- wow. and this is per cl- <laughs> this is per cleaning the glass as a full a full Shout breakdown uh, of of his minutes. Um, and honestly, yeah, he rarely played uh, point guard. Maybe less than one percent of all his minutes with with Toronto ever. Um, oh really? But yeah, obviously he balanced between shooting guard and small forward, but was obviously shooting guard heavy and it's just very interesting to see how drastically that has been flipped on its head um since being traded to portland so yeah definitely playing out of position um so but you can't do much because again you you're not going to get a lot on trade you're not going to get a lot trading cj and i don't think you're going to want to trade damian lillard so is norman powell a better player than gary trent jr yes (laughs) are either of them a fit for the portland trailblazers no because neither one of them them is a natural small forward. So, yeah. But, you know, with the assets I had and the hand I was dealt, like... Neil Olshay Olshay is, like, one of the mobsters in The Simpsons. Like, you know, Fat Tony. Like, when they're, like, they're out there playing poker and, like, like they, they zoom into Fat Tony's hand and he has five aces. Yeah, and then they go they go over to the other player, and he has five aces, and they go over to the other player, and he has four aces, but then he pulls a fifth ace out from under his under his uh, his sleeve. So even though there's even though there's only four aces in the entire deck, somehow they're playing with fifteen. Like he's one of those guys. We did that once at a camping site. We uh we didn't realize we were playing with a, a what pinnacle deck. Uh, uh-huh. We pl- started playing poker, and like the first hand. Everyone has like a, a straight or a flush or a full house just because you have like so many of each of them. Uh, but yes, that has been your your Powell addendum with a, another Simpsons reference in there thrown in. Thank you, Chris Burkhart. You're bringing, you're bringing all the gold today. But uh, listeners, again, after hearing a little more about Norm there, after hearing that Powell addendum, tell us who you want to see in the next uh, in the next pick a team between maybe Norm and Ant or Norm and CJ. Maybe that's more important right now than Ant versus Nas. Yeah, let's keep it about the guards. Norm versus Ant or, or Norm versus CJ. Who do you want to debate? We'll do it on Spaces next Tuesday. 
before the Denver game, 6 p.m. In closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you again, Chris Burkhart, bringing the gold. Thank you, Odar, for the fat beats, bringing all the beats. And thank you, listeners, for bringing your listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Ripsky basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again, and please come back next edition. <laughs> come back next week for the next edition of the Trail Good stuff, bro. You gotta drop. You gotta drop the Neil one that you're clipping. You gotta. You gotta put it back at the end. So like, you like. <laughs> you gotta do. You got, no. You gotta do like. You know. Join us on the next episode of Trailcasters, and then pause, pause, and then Neil as it fades out to music or something. That's what you gotta do. That'd be great. Yeah, that's that'll be done. Absolutely, I love it. That's awesome. <laughs>